Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Connect on blogtalkradio.com. Catch us on the web at umconnect.info. Welcome to this episode of Connect. I'm Michael Rich, the Web and Communications Manager for the Western North Carolina Conference. And today's guest is a longtime friend of the show, Bishop Ken Carter from the Florida Conference. Uh, he was elected in 2012 to the Episcopacy and had served with us in Western North Carolina Conference prior to that. And Ken's here at Lake Genalusca on a little R&R, and he took time to record this show, so thanks for being here. It's great to be here, Mike. So catch up with us. Uh, lots has happened since your last time on the show. We've had general conference and then uh, jurisdictional conference. You had knee surgery in there. Um, so let's start out and give us a, a little health update. Okay. Well, uh, and again, with you and to be on this uh, broadcast, um, I had the injury at general conference and had surgery in Portland, uh, flew back to Florida and began doing the rehab uh, through the summer. It's about a, my particular injury is about a four to five month uh, rehabilitation. So I'm really in the last, I guess, starting the fourth month and feel pretty good about where I am. I've been blessed with <clears throat> wonderful physical therapist. And uh, so I'm walking, you know, been walking around the lake for a couple of days this week. Uh, when I got back to Florida, the the work was to sort of get prepared for annual conference and mm. the preparations for the transitions of clergy who were moving, and then was part of a Fresh Expressions uh, Vision Day here at Lake Junaluska. Right, was just prior to jurisdictional conference. Uh, took part in that, uh, but of course, uh, uh, all of that was also the aftermath of general conference. So the summer has kind of flowed on uh, uh, well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No doubt. Well, let's go back uh, to general conference, and uh, you had time to process. You didn't actually get to participate much. Right. You were in a hospital room for right. uh, those couple of weeks. But um, uh, how was um, that general conference compared to some of the others you've been to? Well, um, and like you said, I was in a hospital room. I was I was watching it as many people did through the live stream and taking mm-hmm. part in some of the meetings with bishops through FaceTime, et cetera. Uh, I, I had the sense that uh, maybe we had reached an impasse uh, as a denomination. We are a global church, which means we're not just a U.S.-centric church, and it's easier to be a U.S.-centric church. Many mainline denominations are right. Episcopal, Presbyterian, Lutheran. Uh, and we're global, but we're also democratic. And so we don't have a hierarchy of episcopacy or archbishops or popes who simply... Uh, give a vision or a scheme and everyone follows it, we we actually vote uh, mm. Democratic and we're, we're very U.S. Um, shaped in that sense. And so uh, that can be wonderful and it can also be uh, at times frustrating. And so I, had, I just had the sense that we, are, we were at an impasse, many people did, that we were simply repeating the behaviors of many previous general conferences I've participated in. Pittsburgh and Fort Worth and uh, Tampa. And so uh, I think the idea of having a of having the bishops uh, try to provide some leadership and setting apart this whole matter of human sexuality 
was uh, something that uh, at least the majority of the people uh, on the floor of General Conference wanted to do. And so mm -hmm. it became known as the way forward. Uh, uh, and that work was given to the Council of Bishops, uh, and uh, we've We've sort of begun to do that work. Mm -hmm. And that was basically an unprecedented thing. I've never heard of anything in my years in ministry. And and so that was quite a, a, a historical moment when uh, that took place, I think. Um, right. Now, you would have been naturally on, on that group to um, be doing some of the shaping and all, but you weren't there. Uh, I never asked you, did you participate by phone uh, in some of these conversations? I did participate by phone, and, uh, and technology is amazing, just by FaceTime, mm -hmm. uh, watching and listening to the meetings. Uh, Bishop O, uh, Bruce O, uh, Warner Brown was transitioning away from the presidency. Bishop O, Bruce O was transitioning into that role. So he sort of was the face of that, I think, before the general conference uh, and in the interpretation afterwards. Uh, and uh, I thought it was very articulate and very providential that he was in that role. And then um, we had uh, some telephone meetings in uh, June following that that I took part of, kind of telephone conversations. And then we, we always have a meeting of the Executive Committee of the Council of Bishops, which I've only been on for a year, uh, in the summer in July. That was already planned. And so that's where a great deal of conversation really began to happen as it was fleshed out. Okay. So that a way forward, um, and, it, and it's been interesting. There have already been a couple of uh, news releases uh, from that that have happened uh, this summer uh, after your Chicago meeting, and then there was right. one just recently. Um, so um, I know that you're on that committee, and right. uh, uh, tell us how that process is going, what you uh, see so far and uh, what we can expect in the coming months. Right. Well, I think, uh, Mike, the uh, initial work was simply to um, define what was the mission of this commission, mm -hmm. the Way Forward Commission that's going to be tasked with this work, uh, and what's the vision, what's the hope for outcome, and what's the scope of it, what, what are we going to do and what are we not going to do. And so executive committee of the bishops and a larger group began to talk about this. And, um, you know, I think sometimes people wonder why did things take so long to happen, but all of these persons were also leading annual conferences. Uh, in some instances, more than one annual conference. Right. Like, for example, Bruce O has the Dakotas in Minnesota. And so you think about a couple of weeks there where they're really focused on that work. Uh, and uh, and so there was a great deal happening, but we were trying to move this forward. And my particular uh, task was to try to work on the mission and the vision and the scope of the group. Someone very wisely said, before we invite people to be a part of this commission, we really should determine what they're going to be doing. Mm -hmm. So we worked on that, and then we came together uh, in Chicago and really sharpened it, defined it, changed it. Uh, and that became a lot of the substance of uh, the letter that came out from uh, Bishop O in the summer mm -hmm. about the commission uh, on the way forward, uh, which included all of that. Um, I think, um, uh, and that's uh, is, is where we were. I think we had 
sensed that uh, between General Conference and and middle of July, a lot had happened in the church. Mm, no doubt. And that was in part uh, actions by annual conferences, was in part uh, the election of Karen Oliveto in the Western Jurisdiction. And it was in part the, the definition of the uh, Wesleyan Covenant Association and plans for their first meeting, not equating all of those different uh, activities as being of equal substance or alike, except their signs simply uh, that the church is moving. Right. Uh, and so we heard clearly people saying uh, that we should we should do our work uh, at, a, at a bit of a faster pace. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we did accelerate the timeline, and that, that came out of that meeting. Okay. Yeah, I think um, it is fascinating, and, and we live in a world now uh, that, you know, things are happening 24-7. You sure. can go on Facebook, you can go right. on Twitter and see it happening. And, and so the speed of progress is much different than it might have been, say, 10 years ago and how we do those things, the patience that... The church might have over these issues is, well, I, it's not there. Right, and I would say the, the follow-up is uh, what's happening uh, um, at the end of the summer is that um, three persons were named as moderators of the way forward. I was one of them, along with Sandra Steiner-Ball of West Virginia, Northeast Jurisdiction, and David Yimba of the Congo. And uh, we, are, we are in the process of searching for a facilitator who will lead this group. Uh, we've had an open process about people uh, who have made proposals and are being considered and needs to be a person sort of with conflict uh, mediation uh, experience expertise, a peacemaking expertise, but also helping us to sort of see a transcendent mission that will allow us to live together with our differences. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then uh, we are also in a process of uh, receiving uh, the names of interested persons for uh, who will compose the commission. My guess is that it will be a group of about 25 persons. Uh, probably around a third of those will be bishops. And a healthy composition of, of both of those groups, bishops and, and clergy lady. Uh, will be persons from the central conferences, especially Africa, mm -hmm. because uh, uh, the whole purpose of the way forward is to look at the legislation around human sexuality and increasingly how that relates to the unity of the church and to bring forward a proposal that would come before a called general conference, okay. probably in 2018. And we would want it to be something that um, the whole church hopefully would adopt. Mm -hmm. uh, it, the complexity, very quickly, is that uh, many of the pressure points are U.S.-centric, right? but we're not a U.S.-centric church. For sure. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, one of the things that came out of that letter and um, that we've discussed before was um, that this is going to be um, very open uh, to the public. You're going to have regular news releases, regular... Uh, communication with the church, and it has to happen, I think. Um, the fact that you're sitting here talking mm -hmm. with me about this is an amazing thing. Um, but to note that uh, you know, you, you've got a timeline happening over the next few months uh, of things that you uh, want to accomplish, but um, 
I don't know, when is this group of 25, do you think uh, it will be established? I think the group will be identified um, very early in September. Okay. Uh, the Council of Bishops needs to uh, finally approve the group. Uh, I don't know whether that, but I believe the group may be public prior to that. Okay. Uh, and um, and then the meetings will begin late in the fall, and the, the group will meet on a pretty regular basis uh, until the work is concluded. Okay. Uh, and the the product, so to speak, uh, uh, will be um, the substance of uh, that will come to the call general conference, which was a part of the part of the way forward, and that is tentatively uh, that. That will be called by the Council of Bishops as it meets, as we meet in November. We meet at St. Simon's Island uh, in Georgia. And um, should that group call for the general conference, uh, it would likely be uh, toward, the, toward the winter or spring of 2018 uh, and would only focus on these matters, right. which could be very exciting work. No doubt about it. Right. And, and I would say the role of a bishop uh, and I feel very blessed to be a moderator. My role is not to be an advocate for uh, the substance of how legislation would happen on, on these topics of unity and human sexuality, but is to try to have a good process where people feel like they are heard, where people feel like they are um, a part of a you know of a one, of one church, uh, and. Um, uh, and, and really the role of a bishop is to preside uh, and not to um, skew the outcome in one direction or another. So, so I feel like even the three of us moderators represent something of the diversity of the church. Mm. And the composition of the, of the Way Forward Commission is going to need to be that way as well. People are going to need to look at the names and say, yes, um, while, while 25 people excludes a lot of people. Right. Uh, they're going to hopefully look at those names whenever those decisions are made and say, yes, they represent the different perspectives of our church. Excellent. Well, let's take a break, and then we're going to come back and, and talk more about the Southeastern Jurisdiction and the Florida Conference. Hi, I'm Liz Bichelle, video coordinator for the Western North Carolina Conference. While my responsibilities include coordinating videos and recording audio, other members of the systems and communications team work with databases and computers. Other departments at the conference deal with finances, and others help build vital churches and assist in clergy. While each one of us at the conference staff have differing gifts and skills, we all work together for one mission, to follow Jesus, make disciples, and transform the world. The United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina is a ministry of the church for the church whose mission is to build the church for generations to come. We fulfill this vision by investing in people as well as helping churches and related institutions invest the financial resources that God has given to them. My name is David Snipes, and we look forward to the day when you give your United Methodist Foundation a call. And you can find out more about the United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina by going to the show's website, umconnect.info, and look at the sponsor page. Uh, so we're back with uh, Bishop Ken Carter, 
and we were just talking about uh, general conference and a way forward and now we're going to move on to more localized things to the southeast uh, um, let's move on to the southeastern jurisdiction and get your reflections on the work of the jurisdiction uh, the election of the bishops and um, anything else that happened there good uh, well thanks mike again for the conversation uh, the period of uh, the spring and summer of any year where there are these conferences is an intense season, mm. uh, especially from within the work of a bishop, which is, uh, of course, unknown to most people, but uh, presiding the preparation is intense. There's this joke that uh, bishops are kind of potted plants and don't do a lot. That's a little similar to preachers only work one hour a week. Right, right. You know, that, that nothing else happens. Uh, actually, a lot happens around the edges. Some of that's to prevent bad things from not happening, some of it's to help people from not being harmed, some of it's to try to bring forward uh, good good work, good initiatives. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I look forward to the Southeastern Jurisdictional Conference. I've been a delegate to that since 1996, and uh, this was my first uh, jurisdictional conference in this role. Uh, I was uh, feeling healthier by the time jurisdictional conference came and more, more like myself. Uh, and knew I would preside for part of the conference. Uh, of course, a, a significant part of jurisdictional conference is the election of bishops. We had five retirements, right? Uh, and so we had five bishops elected. I, I quickly say uh, many wonderful people are are placed forward as nominees for this work, uh, and some exceptional people were not elected right. bishop. And I'm quick to say that they lead the church in equally significant ways. So I'm not. I'm not that hierarchical about whether one is a bishop or a pastor or, or serve in some other way. But the, but the five persons who, who, the, who the conference uh, identified, I think, are really exceptional leaders. There's a lot of strength there. There's a lot of integrity mm. there. There's a lot of uh, diversity there. Obviously, the historic election of Sherma Lewis, right. first African-American woman elected in the Southeast. Uh, and the fact that in one day's work, uh, these five persons were elected. I know I presided for eight ballots, uh, and uh, the, the body uh, just wanted to keep going. And we were trying to have a break, you know, and uh, I wonder, are they getting tired? And they just simply kept communicating, we want to keep working. And I try to in the role of presider, really try to let the body shape uh, the right. direction of the meeting. So look forward to working with these uh, five men and women. Uh, mm. Sue Hopper Johnson was from Florida and knew right. her very well. We will miss her and her work as a superintendent, but uh, she's among that group, and I think we'll uh, add a great deal. One of the significant events that took place at Jurisdictional Conference was a prayer vigil for mm -hmm. Uh, for the racial violence that has taken place in our country. And that week uh, was the week following the deaths in Minnesota, in and Baton Rouge, yeah. and in Texas, in Dallas. Uh, and so uh, Don Hand and many people put together a prayer vigil that happened um, during that week. Uh, it struck me that... Uh, it was very similar to a prayer vigil we had had at 
the annual conference in Orlando related to the Pulse, mm -hmm. the massacre at the Pulse uh, nightclub of the, among the LGBTQ community. Uh, and so that happened. Uh, and then another significant uh, event was the missional initiative, which was approved at the jurisdictional conference. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, go into that missional initiative. Um, I, I can remember reading it. I can remember posting it. Um, but just give us the, the background of that. I think a part of the motivation was uh, this was a way for us as a jurisdiction to more clearly live into what is our uh, missional calling in this indigenous part of the church. Mm. Uh, the Southeast uh, is distinctive in many ways. It uh, has a very strong presence of United Methodism. Uh, many of the largest churches in the denomination are in this region. Right. Uh, we have many strong lay and clergy leaders. Um, we um, the, the apportionment of the Southeast is very significant. The representation and voting is very significant. Uh, the vitality of many local churches is very prominent. At the same time, the Southeast has very significant challenges. If you look at demographics, uh, the poorest states in the United States are in the Southeast. Right. Uh, the highest incidence of illiteracy is in the Southeast. Uh, uh, the um, recurrence of domestic violence is very high in the Southeast. Right. Uh, and so uh, how can the church uh, connect with these great human needs? Uh, this is happening in some annual conferences. Uh, I'm just uh, in awe, for example, of what South Carolina has done as an annual conference in response to uh, the crisis in their public schools. Mm -hmm. Florida's going to be working on that the next few years. Just as an example of what they call their corridor of shame, in the South Carolina Conference, and how Bishop Olson has reframed that as a corridor of faith, hope, and love, and, mm. and really working at a state level around that. So, so the missional initiative really came from the College of Bishops, which is active and retired bishops, um, and um, Bill McAlilly was is the president. Uh, that's a role that rotates every year. I've been president the year before. Uh, and the initiative came, working from our group, came to identify five, um, five areas of focus. Uh, one was new forms of church beyond the walls, which would be mm -hmm. something like fresh expressions. Another would be children in poverty. Mm -hmm. uh, again, this really builds on the work that Bishop Ken Carter did and Jack and Bishop Jack and Hannah Metter right. did in Mississippi. Uh, a third area focuses unity and human sexuality. And what does this mean in particular for the Southeast? Uh, our conferences are surprisingly diverse mm -hmm. uh, on this topic. Uh, and then fourth, uh, the making disciples. And then fifth, the, the questions of structure, finance, and the future church. Uh, and uh, the jurisdictional conference unanimously embraced this. Uh, and so there will be... Um, beginning in 2017, some collaborative work of the bishops, the directors of Connectional Ministry, and the lay leaders around this. And the vision is that we'll have, a, again, a called jurisdictional conference to come together to work on these five matters. You know, the jurisdiction, in some sense, the work is really flattened mm -hmm. in the last few years, uh, the programmatic function. Exactly. Flattened. 
and and yet I think it's good for us to come together and draw from each other's strengths. I agree. Um, also, at that uh, jurisdictional conference, there was a letter read from the college bishops related to a way forward and uh, to issues related to human sexuality uh, going on. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, what was going on with uh, the college and that. Well, and of course, the College of Bishops is is a very uh, diverse group of voices. No doubt, um, as you might imagine, um, the um, uh, the uh, the, the College of Bishops, as we began to meet, sensed that uh, we did not want to, to be reactive to what was happening in the West right. uh, with their Episcopal elections. A part of that was we wanted to um, focus on the importance of the election of bishops in our jurisdiction, which is, which is our area of leadership. Right. Uh, and we wanted to somehow respond to some of the currents that were going on in the church in, in not a reactive way, but we, we hoped in an appropriate way so that people felt like we were paying attention mm -hmm. to what was happening in the church. And so um, I think we were responding, and I'll, I'll, I don't have that document before me, but we were responding to um, to. Uh, the change that was happening in the church, uh, the way forward process, and seeking to honor that, reaffirming uh, our vows of consecration to seek the unity of the church, uh, and recognizing the fragile place uh, the church is in as mm. far as uh, uh, the, the divisions around um, practices and uh, pronouncements in relation to human sexuality. Uh, the role of the bishop really is uh, to seek uh, to uh, strengthen the faith and the disciplined life and the unity of the church. We, we, we have had a peculiar call to try to do that. Uh, and so that was uh, the statement we adopted. It was available for churches to use in, use in particular context. Uh, in a few places it was. Uh, I think in Florida we placed it on our website along with mm -hmm. the Council of Bishops statement. Uh, and a brief preface by me, and uh, you know, it was used in different ways in different places. Right, and, and it is available on the uh, Western North Carolina Conference website at the SEJ page, and so right. you can find it and, yeah. and read it. And right. uh, it is available to anyone to use. I, you know, I, I found it to be, um, you know, a, a different statement um, than what had been going on around us over. Right. Yeah, that period between general conference and jurisdictional, there was a lot of stuff that happened, and right. and I, I think he did address it, and in a very southeastern right. look, right. right, and that's our that's our mission field, uh, and I think the there's a <clears throat> perhaps a underlying motivation uh, just around communication that more consistent, more transparent communication is better. Mm -hmm. uh, if if we don't communicate, uh, there's a there's a vacuum. Uh, and uh, with the Council of Bishops, the the Council really only meets twice a year, uh, and so the Council has difficulty speaking as a whole group about things that happen, say, every week, right, every month. And, and in addition, some things happen in the U.S that are of great importance to people in the U.S., 
Whereas we have bishops in Nigeria where Boko Haram is, yes. for example, which is of great importance to them, and we don't think about that as much. So it's um, you know the the uh, the racial violence that's been happening in our country in the last year. Um, the the council did speak to that in Berlin, right? Uh, and uh, we we spoke to that um, Bishop Holston did at the beginning of our jurisdictional conference, and and again. Sometimes people miss things. I know I got, I got a letter from someone who said, why did you speak about the human sexuality and not about the, the racial issue? And, uh, and in fact, we had. People sure just had. don't always catch everything that comes along. There was a lot of information. But, uh, but I think you'll see both in the council and in the jurisdiction an attempt, uh, and it's just an attempt to be a part of the conversation. There are, there are advocates who are a part of the conversation, you know, in our denomination that might be Good News or it might be Reconciling Ministries or Institute for Religion and Democracy or Methodist Federation right. or Social Action. And they have a stream of communication and if, uh, and, and the bishops want to be a part of that conversation and I know in Florida I have as well. Uh, otherwise, um, there's a sense in which there's just the silence creates a kind of a vacuum. You're right. That's something feels. Yeah. So um, uh, let's move on. We've got a couple more minutes left. What, what are your priorities in the coming months? You're, you're going to go back to the Florida Conference, rested, relaxed. What are you going to be doing uh, these next few months, these next four years as bishop right. in Florida? Right. Well, and feel very blessed to be reassigned to the Florida Conference. It's just a great, uh, large, diverse, um, chaotic, wonderful kind of place uh, mm. and people. And the priorities really are least from, from my direction are three, and the first is the Fresh Expressions work and movement, which is picking up steam and mm -hmm. identifiable Fresh Expressions all across our state, wonderful leaders. The second is what we call the Nehemiah Project, which is really about uh, uh, how, how we can repurpose properties. Mm. Not, not closed churches, it's not about closing churches, but it is about repurposing our properties uh, to be in mission where we need to be. Uh, and it's an emotional process, mm. a laity-driven process, uh, but, it's, uh, but it's not just leaving things to chance as far as buildings falling apart. Right. Whatever. And the third is a very intentional connecting of local churches with high-need schools that are near to them. And mm. Again, we're learning from other annual conferences, including Western North Carolina and South Carolina, uh, and I've been very influenced by Robert Putnam's book, Our Kids, mm. uh, where he talks about the children in these schools, how can we see them as our kids? And uh, this is very much part of our DNA as Methodist, uh, that the world is our parish. So I would say within Florida, we're going to have town hall meetings in the fall in four different places. And we're going to have a lot of Q&A, a lot of dialogue. Two-thirds of the meeting will be driven by the questions that people bring. And the last part will be really trying to get people uh, engaged with these initiatives in different ways. So that's what we're excited about getting started with. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'm going to give you a final word, about 30 seconds. What do you want to say to people listening today? Uh, well, thank you. If, you're, if you've listened thus, thus far, you <laughs> care about the church uh, and its mission, uh, as Paul says in uh, 2 Corinthians um, 
we have the treasure of the gospel in earthen vessels. Uh, the church is an earthen vessel. It's an imperfect institution, and yet amazing things happen through local churches, through an annual conference, through denomination that we often take for granted. And so just thank you for uh, keeping faith with that and, uh, and just be encouraged uh, in uh, God is not finished with us. That's for sure. Well, thanks for giving your time, Bishop Carter. And thanks, everyone, for listening to us on Blog Talk Radio. The show will be available shortly as a podcast at the Blog Talk Radio page and on the show's website, as well as iTunes. And keep up with the latest at umconnect.info. And we'll be back next week connecting United Methodists and their stories. Thanks to our sponsors, the Western North Carolina Conference and the United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina. You can find out more about them on the sponsors section of the website, umconnect.info. I'm Michael Rich, and you've been listening to Connect.